for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, well, I got a good word for you this morning. You're really going to enjoy this. And I'm going to take my time doing it this morning because when I have something I really, really, God has given me for quite a while, I've been holding it. Say holding it. Holding it. I, you know, sometimes God will give you stuff that you have to hold. You know, even Paul said sometimes I'd preach this to you, but you just can't get it yet, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to wait a while till you can get it, and I'm going to go ahead and preach it to you. But it's lately I've been praying and asking God that I want to see things from the way he sees things rather than the way that I see things. I've already figured out how I see things. That hasn't worked out very well, so I want to see things the way he sees things. And what it gives you is a broader understanding of the kingdom of God and the things of the kingdom of God. So take your Bibles this morning. Go to Psalm 35. We got everybody moving back now. Fickle group here. That's all right. Yeah, be sorry. Okay, Psalm 35. Look at verse 27. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Notice from this scripture you can understand here that God wants you to succeed. His desire is for you to succeed. He is pleased when you are succeeding. He wants everybody on the earth to be successful in their life. It's important to him and to you that you succeed. He needs you to succeed. Say, he needs me to succeed. Say, I want to succeed. He wants me to succeed. So I might as well just succeed. Okay, go to Colossians chapter 1. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 16. Talking about Jesus here, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and they were created what? For him. So notice, God created you. You are a production, basically, of God. You are his creation. Not only were you created by him, but you were created what else? For him. In other words, you are part of God's big picture. You are part of God's big plan. You are part of God's purpose. Everything that was created and produced has a purpose, even in the natural realm. You know that a CD player was produced, and basically it was produced to play CDs for people. A car basically was produced or created. What for? Because it had a purpose for transportation. A fish was created to swim. A bird was created to fly. So whatever is created basically bears the name of the creator. Take a Toyota car. If the Toyota puts out a bunch of cars one year and all at once something's going wrong with all the cars, I guarantee you the president and all the leaders of Toyota would be over in the United States immediately to fix what the problem was because their name is on that car. So they want the car to succeed because it's a reflection of Toyota, a reflection of Sony, a reflection of whoever it is. Well, you were created by God and God has put his name on you. It's very important for you to succeed because it's a reflection on the creator who created you or who produced you or who made you. If you're poor, it's a bad reflection on God. If you're rich, it's a good reflection on God. If you're down and out, it's a poor reflection on God. If you're happy and joyful like the song we just sang that moves you, then basically, praise God, it's a good thing on God. So God, that's why God takes so much pleasure in your success because you bear the name of God. All right, go to Isaiah 44. Okay, Isaiah 44, are you there? 
Look at verse 24. It says, Thus says the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that makes all things, that stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreads abroad the earth itself. Look at it again. Thus says the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee, where? From the womb. Say from the womb. Say it again, from the womb. Now, we all know how you came into the world, basically, because we all know how that takes place. There was a man who was your father. There was a woman who may have been your mother or not. I mean, she was your mother, but the guy may have been your father or not. But there was a man involved. Are you following me? There was a man and a woman who were there. And when they got together and they basically had sex together at that time, a lot of sperm was released into the mother. If you look it up, anywhere from 20 million to 100 million sperm cells are released every time there's a transfer. Did you know that? That's a lot of them in it. So here it is. takes place and all these cells just start rushing towards the egg because they all want to get there. They all want to be something. That's what they are. So it happens and they're there. And all once all these sperm cells, 100 million of them, are, are trying to get to that egg and they're fighting to get to that egg. Some of them die on the way there. Some of them beat each other up to try to get there. But some of them actually make it there to the egg. Isn't that exciting? So now notice, in your life, out of all those sperm cells that were released on that day, Maybe 50 million, maybe 70 million, one of them got there. Out of all them. And you are the one who got there. People say, I'm one in a million. No, you're one in about 50 million. Are you following me? And you got there, praise God. You were the one. You were the one who arrived there. You were the one. And your parents had no idea what God was there. They were just doing what you do. But God was there. When that was taking place, and God was standing there, and 100 million were released, and God's go, let's see. No, no, that one right there. And he picked you out. We, we sang the song, you're called from your mother's womb. Yeah, he picked you out of those 100 million and got you to the egg so that you could be born and you could be here right now. I mean, you're a miracle right now. You're a bigger victor than you ever thought you were. You defeated probably 50 million other cells. Come on, just to get there and to be there. This is how intricate God is. God is picking you out of 50, 60, 70 million cells to get to that egg because he needed you in the earth at this time. So God was looking that day and he said, I need that one right there. I need that one right there. I don't need those other 90 million. I need that one right there. I got to have that one right there. What was he doing? He was forming you in your mother's womb. Now he was forming you to succeed. He was not forming you because you were going to be a loser, you were going to fall apart, you were going to have a mental breakdown. He was getting you because you were going to be successful in what he wanted to do. You were one in a million, praise God. So why did he do all this? Why did he pick that one out? Go to Jeremiah 29. I got goosebumps already just because I was picked. Ain't that something? Oh my gosh. Ooh. Ooh. Glory. All right, Jeremiah 29. Look at verse 11. God says, For I know the thoughts, or some translations say, I know the plans that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. So why, why was God there? Why did he point to you? Why are you the one he got out of that 100 million cells there? Because God had a plan for you. And that plan was for peace, not evil. And notice he wanted to bring you to an expected end. Say an expected end. Expected. An expected end. So, so God already knew what you were going to be and what he called you to be before he pointed to you in the mad dash for the egg. He already knew, he's thinking, gosh, I need somebody to do this work, and let's see which one of these is going to do it for me. That one right there. He grabs that and hits the egg, pew, all at once you're being born, and he's got a plan. Only the best thing about God is God knows the expected end. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you were born, you didn't know that, you may not even know the expected end now, but God knows the expected end. But notice the best part about it, it's a good end. Say, it's a good end. It's a good end. So it's important to God for you once you're born to be successful because the only way you're going to get to your expected end is be successful in life to get to his expected end. He, he needs you to be successful. You're part of his plan. You're part of the puzzle. You're part of the picture there. So basically he handpicked you from your mother's womb and the plan and he set you up with a destiny. 
Everybody in here has a destiny. Everyone in here was handpicked by God at one time in order to get to the egg. And you have an expected end. Say an expected end. Say, I have an expected end. All right, go to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, are you there? Look at verse 9. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is no, no, none like me. I mean, no, we just sang that. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my Pleasure. Now, we already know what his pleasure is, isn't it? To pick you out and for you to succeed, for you to fulfill the plan that he has for you, to, for you to get to an expected end because you're a piece of the big puzzle here on the earth, praise God. You're just not here to go to church. You're just not here to die and go to heaven someday. You're here for a plan and you're here for a purpose in the kingdom of God that God has. All right, go back to verse 9. Remember the former things of old. I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Say none like him. In other words, there's nobody else in the entire universe that can operate like God did. Let me tell you, Buddha was not there when your mom and dad were conceiving you. They were not picking you out of the hundred million. Muhammad had nothing to do with your call or anything else. He was not there picking out the one out of there. Only one creation in all the world. Well, not a creation. One God in all the world. There is none else. Why? Because he's the one who picked you. He's the one who had your expected end. He's the one who everything. He is truly God. Say he is God. Say there, nobody like him. him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So there's none like him. Now, what makes him so special? Why is God so special? All right, look at it again. Verse 9. Remember the former things of the old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Say, declaring the end from the beginning. Okay, so God points at you in the womb. There you are. Get to you. You get to the egg and you're going to be born. God already knows what he's already getting you born to be in this world. He has an expected end, but now watch what God does. He declares the end from the beginning. In other words, he sees you already done, the finished product, when he pointed you in the womb before he even got to the egg. He already knew what he had put for you in this earth, what he wanted you to do while you were here. He declared who you would be right here, praise God, at this end. And then once you accept that, he goes back to the beginning and gets you going. Okay, here we go. Gives you a little nudge. You're going to end up there. You're not there yet, but you're going to end up there. And it's going to be done because I'm a king and what I declare comes to pass. So it's going to be done. So whatever ministry he calls you to, whatever he calls you to do in this earth realm, in God it's already done. He's already declared it. You're going to be there. When God, when I got born, here I was in the earth realm, there I am. God says, let's see now. Standing there, my mom and dad are in bedroom bushes, wherever they were, praise God, who knows. And here's God, and God says, you know, I'm going to need somebody from the year 2000, maybe 2030, to preach my kingdom. Because people are going to have to understand my kingdom. So let's see. Let, let's try this couple here. There they go. Oh, good. They're enjoying. Everything's gone good. And there they go. And said, I'm going to pick that guy right there because I, I, I already declared what he's going to be right here. So I got there, and I got to and once I'm born into the earth. I had no idea why I was here. I had no idea what I was doing. For 30 years, I thought I was here to drink, carouse, have fun, dance on top of the bar, scream and holler, waste my money on alcohol and everything. That's what I thought to be. But notice, God already had the end for me, and it was already provided for me. My end was already there. I was already there. But then I had to start someplace. Say, I had to start someplace. And how many knew it, it's up to you? See, here's where we come on. It's up to you whether you're going to start on the journey to a destiny that's already been provided for you and already been done for you. It's already finished. It's already taken care of. God has declared it, and it's done. All right, let me, uh, let me prove this to you. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. He declares the end from the beginning. We look at the beginning and think, my God, are we ever going to get to the end? But he says the end's already done. You just got to walk you're beginning out to get to my delegated and declared end because it's already taken care of. Hallelujah. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner, 
but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us, and he's called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus when? 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 Before the world began. Before he even created the world. Before he even created mankind. He already had you figured out. He already had your call, your purpose, your destiny already figured out. He just declared it. And coming up in the future, there's going to be this person, and there's going to be a Pastor Tom, and he's going to get in the kingdom of God, and he's going to preach the kingdom of God. He's going to do it at this specific amount of time, and that's it. And God waited till the right time was, and when the right time was, he picked me out, and I made it to the egg, and I got born, and all at once, here I was, praise God. But notice, when was it done? Before the world began. Say before the world began. All right, look at Ephesians chapter 1. The more you study this stuff, the more you find out how smart God really is. I mean, I knew he was smart, but he's really smart. He know what he's doing. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual gifts and blessings in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love now when did he decide that you're going to be holy and without blame not the day you repented not not when somebody was preaching God. before the world began god already had a plan to bring you back into a place of being holy and blameless before him by the new birth he already had that planned out for you it was already there now how many know it's up to you whether you step into holiness again, whether you step into that, everybody has a choice. Everybody has a choice. So before you were even born, before you were even in the earth, he already had predestinated you that you were going to be born, you were going to be born again, and you were going to walk in the ministry and the part that God needed for the kingdom advancement. Are you following me? Everybody has their little piece to the puzzle. So what does God do? God says, it's done. Say, it's done. It's done. Let me get somebody. Come here, Latasha. I'll make you work. You haven't been here in a while. We'll put you to work then. Stand right here. So God looking down before the world's even born, no people here or anything, God says, well, I'm going to need a prophetess. I'm going to meet somebody so full of the Word of God that they quit doing that. Oh, God loves you. Jesus loves you. You're so good. But it's going to come through the Word of God, what I've really got to say. That when she speaks, praise God, it's going to go right into the heart of people, not just, a, oh, you're doing very good today and everything's fine. I mean, we've got prophets all over the place. I'm talking about kingdom of God prophets. Do you understand? The Word goes out of their mouth like a sword, glory to God, and it cuts people, and people are weeping while they're prophesying, and the power of God hit it. So I'm going to do that, and I'll pick somebody out. I picked her up. There she is. She's done. I declare it that Latasha is going to do everything that I've called her to do. I've provided everything for. It is finished. Praise God. It's done. It's going to take place. But then all at once, Latasha comes in the kingdom of God. So Latasha starts here. But that part's already done. That's already been declared by God. Now, how many know she's going to have to make some decisions? See, when I came to the kingdom of God, got born again, I had to make some decisions. Number one, I couldn't get drunk every night and fulfill my destiny. There's no churches asking for a drunk pastor. Come on now, to come around. I can no longer go out to the bars with $400, come back with nothing, and have no idea what I did with my money. I had to learn how to handle finances. I had to learn how to forgive people. I had to learn that once they made fun of me, punching them in the nose was not God's way. Come on, all these things are decisions that I had to make myself, and I can make a decision, and I can make another decision. God just says, I want you to be successful, so keep going. Keep going. Make that decision. Don't drink. Don't get drunk all the time. Yeah, that's good. Do it. Walk in love and free. That's good. Walking in love. Doing all these things. What am I doing? I'm advancing slowly to what's already been done for me and provided for me over here. He's already declared it. It's already there. But I'm the one who has to walk through it to get there. I'm the one on a daily thing. And that's why these little problems you run into all the time. My God, don't you understand how minute? they are to God's call on your life and what he's already declared for you to be those things are there to stop you from walking out and becoming what he's already declared that you're going to be in your life Holly you can sit down thank you very much so some things had to change in my life I had to change some of the things I was doing I had a walk in my call that God was given me I had to know praise God that there was a declared end for me so what's the first thing I had to do I had to change my life and my number one priority had to be seek first the kingdom of God 
So I saw that in the Bible. I said, well, that's pretty easy. That's, Jesus tells me to do that. So I just started seeking this. I started reading the Bible before I was preaching. I started praying before I was preaching. I started giving revelations when I had no place to give my revelations but to myself. What am I doing? I'm operating the things. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be running around at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get up before work, and I'm going to pray for an hour and a half, and I'm going to read the word. What am I doing? I'm making decisions to seek the kingdom first. But now number two is, and his righteousness. Notice, everything in the universe is governed by something called laws. There's laws out there. And when you obey the laws of God, basically you are walking in right standing with God. You're walking in righteousness. If not, you're walking in something called sin. Now notice, God wants you to live. Say live. The devil wants you in evil. Say evil. And notice, if you take the word live and you spell it backwards, it's evil. So he wants to turn your living backwards. How does he want to do that? He wants to do it by getting you into sin all the time. He wants to get you deterred from it. People say, oh my gosh, I sinned, I hurt God. No, you didn't hurt God, you hurt you. You hurt you on your way to your declared end and your declared destiny that's going to make you successful as you fulfill it, praise God. So I had to decide what? I was going to start walking in righteousness, praise God. That's what I was going to do. I wasn't going to do the things of the world that the world says is okay. Everything's okay. If it feels good, do it. Everybody's got their own way of doing it. Well, they're doing it. Well, that's, that's different. Do you want to succeed? Do you want to make it to where you're gone? Do you want to go where you're supposed to go? Do you understand the big picture of the thing? It's not just a, well, do I want to do it or not? Do you want to fulfill the purpose that God puts you here to do and get to the final thing that he declared for you? Then sin's got to run. Sin's got to get out of here. I, I can't go out and commit adultery. Can't do that. You understand? It, it, it doesn't work that way. You can't walk around and, and cuss all over the place. My language has to line up with the kingdom of God. And all these things, we just say, well, everybody else does it. That's the way the world does it. Well, you're never going to get to your destiny that God has called you to until you walk in right standing with him because that's where the revelation comes to continue to walk into the place that he declared for you. So he picks you out of one out of one, 100 million, and he declares who you're going to end up. This is what you're going to do while you're here on the earth. Now, you're walking to that, and your success is not in how much money you have. Your success is not if you're, if you're the voice. Your success is not Sunday night Grammy Awards or this awards or that rewards. Basically, that's no success whatsoever. Your success is if you continue to go and get to the end of where you belong right here because God needeth you. Well, I need God. Well, he needs you. Oh, God, I need you so much. God says, I need you so much. I've got a work for you to do. So here God, he's standing there and he's saying, you know, my gosh, we haven't created a thing yet, but I know down the road there's going to be a bunch of homeless people in Fort Pierce, Florida. And they're going to need some help. They're going to have to hear the gospel somehow. So what does he do? Hunt and all at once he finds the, the parents of Susan. Says, mm, there they go. Yeah. Oh, here they come. Which one do I want? Which that one right there? That's an, and, and, she, and now later on, what's she doing? She's walking out her destiny. What's she doing? Doing exactly what God told her to. Is it the end of her destiny? No, but it's part of it. It's part of her destiny to get to her destiny, but it's a lot further destiny she was when she first got born again, I'm sure. So there's changes taking place. Why is this? Because God's got all this stuff figured out before we even, we're always looking in the future for God to reveal something, to have him reveal the past so that you can walk into your future. Do you understand what I'm saying? He, he needs to do that. And, and if you don't seek first the kingdom of God, I'll tell you what, you will never know where you're going anyway. It just doesn't fall out of an apple tree and hit you on the head. And, and prophet, prophet Harold, somebody, shows up and says, Thou sayest the Lordest, thou sayest the Lordest. If he saith the Lordest, it better been in you what he prophesied over you, or he's trying to manipulate you to do something you weren't called to do anyway. And I'll tell you the, the key to the biggest mistake in your life, be successful in the wrong thing. Well, this is what I did. This is what I did. God said, that ain't what I picked you out of the 100 million. I picked you out for this. Well, Brother Joe was doing it. Yeah, because Brother Joe was the one picked out of the 1 million. Do you see? When I first got into ministry, I wanted to be everybody. I mean, I went to Benny Hinn. I wanted to blow and throw my coat. I mean, I went to Rodney. I wanted to go, you stupid thing. You want to laugh. I wanted to, I wanted to do everything. You know, every preacher did. And God says, I don't want you to be those guys. You can receive from those guys, but you're not those guys. That's not why I picked you out of the 100 million. I picked you out for this, right? To get the kingdom, to preach the kingdom. How I many know I could have stopped when I got a little revelation of healing? Come on, we had the classes 10 years ago. I could have put my Bible away and preached those classes for the rest of my life. Well, I had, I had six, seven, eight, nine, ten classes. I had six classes in each class. I could have just preached them over and over and over and over, but I knew there was more. 
You see, it's not I was losing, I was winning, but I knew there was more. I just, there's something else out there. And all, once I started seeing the kingdom of God, and I thought, well, these things are all part of the kingdom. Healing isn't the answer. This isn't the answer. It's the kingdom of God that's the answer. So I kept going. I kept studying. Even though I read the same scripture, and I thought, that stupid scripture, I'm so tired of reading that dumb thing, and it never meant anything to me at all. And then one day, it just goes, boom, on the inside. And I thought, my God, I don't think I ever saw that before. What happened? God opens your eyes on your journey when you get to a point, and once there's a revelation that comes, you say, my God, that's good. I can preach it. I was avoiding it two weeks ago, but now basically I've got to do it. So the laws are there. So there's laws. What are laws for? Laws aren't to constrict you. They're not to confine you. They're there so that you can get to your destiny that God has already declared for you by obeying those laws. If you buy electronics thing and you open up the box, you know what the first thing is on the top? A manual. And you know what that manual says? Please read these instructions before operating. You know how many people do that? None. <laughs> Zero. You take that stupid thing, you throw it against the wall, you get that electronic thing out, and bless God, you are ready to roll. Glory to God, aren't you? You're ready to go, praise God. I know it. Well, then if you use your cell phone while you're on the toilet and close to the bathtub and you drop it and it goes in the bathtub, you can't blame Sony. Because paragraph number three, lesson number two, stay away from water with your electronic device. And you didn't do that. No, you dropped it in the bathtub. You know what happened? It blew up. So you can't call Sony and said, your, your product doesn't work. See? So you can't go to God all the time and say, I'm not working right. No, you just got to get out of the bathtub. See, you got to follow the laws of God. And that's why it bugs me so much to see people that I know who are Christians not abiding by God's laws because I know it's deterring them from what God has already caused them to do and already to get there. So it bothers me. I'm not mad at them for sinning. I just know what it does to you. It keeps you from fulfilling your destination that is there. So, I mean, fish swim. I mean, if a fish decides not to swim, decides to be a bird, it's going to die. Come on, if a bird decides that he can swim and he goes in there, no problem. He's going to die. But... You know, as I look around the universe, I see that fish are smart enough to stay in the water. Birds are smart enough to fly. The only ones having problems are Christians. Because they'd rather go against the law than follow the law. And by doing that, you're just self-destructing. It's not God is judging you. So there's some things I had to learn. There's some things I had to do. I had to manage money. I had to do this stuff. Why? Because I wanted to get to the declared end that God had already provided for me over here, and it was a daily walk in my life in order to do that. So you were formed, what for? To succeed. See, I was formed to succeed. Now, why is successful so important? Why is it so important that you live healed? Why is it so important you live in victory? Why is it so important you live financially well? Well, I'll show you. Go to Psalm 23. I'm trying to blow up your thinking this morning. Okay, Psalm 23, look at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Why? Why? Not for your sake. Not doing these things for your sake. He's doing these things for his sake. Why? Because he needs you to fulfill your little part in the kingdom of God plan. And the only way he can do that is through you and by using you because he picked you out to do that. So he does these things not for you. He does them for himself. So you can fulfill your plan, praise God, for him. All right, go up to Psalm 25. I'll give you one more. Got about 50 of them, but I'll give you two. All right, Psalm 25, look at verse 11. God says, For my name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity. It is great. For thy name's sake. Why does he pardon your iniquity? For his sake. Oh, God forgave my sins for me for my sake. No, he forgave it for his sake. Why was that? Because he had to get you out of sin, born in the kingdom of God, free from sin, so you could complete the plan that he told you needed to be done by declaring your end. Are you following me? It wasn't so for you. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. 
Uh, I'm just going to throw this out here, and if people get upset, they get upset. If they don't get it, they don't get it. Notice, God doesn't want to heal you because you're in pain. He don't want to heal you simply because you don't want to go to the hospital. He doesn't want to heal you to make your relatives happy. He wants to heal you because he needs you healed in order to fulfill your part of his plan. See, we got to look at this from God's, but you look at it from our viewpoint. Oh, I'm in such pain, Lord. So what? He's not, he's not with the pain problem. He's with the big picture problem. And he knows you can't do it. See, if I'd have kept drinking, I'd probably died at 50. How many know I never got to my destiny? It was still declared. It was still there. It was still for me to be there, but I'd been dead because I'd have been all done at that time. I would have stopped what took place. But he completely delivered me that day. It didn't take me 14 years to get delivered. He delivered me that day, not for my sake, for his sake. He said, if it takes this guy 20 years to get free now of alcohol after I saved him, my God, he'd be too old to preach the kingdom pretty soon. So I might as well deliver him right now if that's what he wants. The deliverance came that day. It didn't take 42 years. It didn't take people talking to me and all this stuff. It was God's design. God wants everybody totally set free for his sake for his plan, for his purpose, so they can fulfill what he's already declared that they're going to do, and we declare that, and you're walking toward it, you can't do it if you're down and out, or if you're sick, or if you're broke, or if you're all these things. So everything that he does for you, he loves you, say he loves me, but the reason is it's for his sake, and the big picture, and the big plan that God has already put in your life. Are you following me with this? Praise God. All right, go to Acts chapter 9. I mean, sometimes when, when a pain attacks my body, I said, hey, you better get this off me, God, because I'll tell you why. It's for your sake. If I get sick and i got to lay around for three weeks, I can't probably study the Bible for three weeks. There's no further revelation, and the people you sent me to do something with ain't going to be able to get anything because I'm laying here in bed and I can't do anything. So, I mean, if you really want to get things fulfilled and you really want me healed, you better do it for your sake. And if you heal me, I'll just keep right on doing what I was doing before. Praise God. I'll keep on getting in the Word of God. I'll keep on getting further re revelation. I'll keep on going. Praise God. And, Keep on happening. So sometimes we've got to think differently. We've got to look from God's point of view. All right, Acts chapter 9. All right, this is about the apostle Paul. Look at verse 13. Then Ananias answered and said, after he was told to go pray for Paul, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done in my saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority with the chief priests to bind all that call upon his name. But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, and I will show him how great things he must suffer. Now, there's a mouthful in there, I'm telling you right now. First of all, Paul was a chosen vessel. God chose him when his mom and dad did it, and he was going through there, and he picked Paul out. And how many you know for about the first how many years of Paul's life, he didn't look like the right pick? Many people are saying, God, if you picked him out, you made a boo-boo. He's going around killing Christians. He's going around torturing Christians. He's going around pulling them out. But notice, God says, he's a chosen vessel. What's he going to do? Bear my name. Say, bear my name. In other words, he's going to do what I told him to do, so my name on him is going to be safe. In other words, he's not going to fail, so everybody says, well, God failed again. No, I produced him. I created him. He's going to be a good Sony radio, and he's going to play tapes all the way through his career till he gets to what he wants to do. He says, praise God, there it is. He's going to bear my name. Notice what else. He's going to bear his name before Gentiles, and who else? Kings. Now, this was declared before Paul was even existed. God already said, this guy, when he comes, I need him to declare the gospel of the kingdom before kings, before Gentiles, and before people. So that was already done for Paul. So Paul got in there. So here, here's all at once exactly what Paul needed to know, exactly what Paul needed to do, everything he did. Now, how many know that Ananias probably did not like this deal? I ain't going to go pray for him. He killed me when I get there. I mean, this guy's a rat fink. We don't want to do it. And as a matter of fact, when Paul started walking in his call and his produced end, basically nobody liked him. Maybe that should tell you something. I just want to be liked. Good luck. 
I just wish people loved me. You're not going anywhere close to your end. I'll tell you that right now. It ain't going to work that way. No, the Christians didn't like him. They were afraid of him. The people who he was with killing Christians hated him because now he wasn't killing Christians. He was one of them. Paul had nowhere to go, praise God. He was on the run the whole darn time of the whole thing. Why is, but he had an end. Why? Because God had already declared it. So here he says, what's Paul going to do? I chose him a long time ago. What happened? He's going to bear my name. What's he going to do? He's going to preach eventually to kings. And look at verse 16. I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Don't you know, Lord? Don't you know what I'm gone through? Don't you know what's happening? Are you kidding me? He knew that before you were created. He knew that before you were even picked out. He already knows what you're going to run into that time. The question is, what are you going to do when you run into these situations? Are you going to continue to seek first the kingdom of God and fulfill what God has called you to do and already declared to be done, or are you going to quit? I mean, you know, it's easier to quit. It's easier to give up. Nobody wants to go through that stuff. But I mean, you know, that Paul was stoned to death, got up, went right back in the city, started preaching again. Come on, he was bit by a snake, threw it off into the fire. He was shipwrecked, should have drowned. He lived. Nobody liked him. He had all kind of issues and all kind of problems. But he'd been declared to preach the gospel of the kingdom to a king. He was going to get there. It was going to happen. So what did Paul do? When the snake bit him, he already knew what he was called to do. He threw it back in the fire. People said, well, he's not even afraid. Why? I can't die because if I die, I can't get over here. Are you afraid you're going to die? No. I can't die, so I don't care. Bite me here, bite me there. I don't care. Bite me all over. It ain't going to work because I'm going to get, I'm on my way to here. You see what I mean? He gets in the water and he's going to drown or he's in that ship and he tells everybody, peace. Been going back and forth for about 20 days. Nobody's ate. Everybody's sick. And he, peace, peace, everybody. Take some food and eat. Are you kidding me? Why was that? He knew he was going to get to his end because God had already declared it and nothing was going to stop him to get to the end. It wasn't going to kill him. He weren't going to, couldn't do anything about it. As long as he was seeking first the kingdom of God and stayed in right standing with God, he was just going to keep going no matter what happened in his life. He was going to keep going forward. Matter of fact, in, we'll go to Acts chapter 20 first. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 24. Paul says, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all among you, I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, you shall see my face no more. So what did Paul say? Paul says, none of these things bother me. Am I going to run into problems? Yes. Am I going to be shipwrecked? Yes. Am I going to be bit by a snake? Yes. But it doesn't matter because I've already been declared to get to way over here. And as long as I keep doing what I'm doing, I've got to get there. God's got to make sure I get there. He's got to protect me in these situations. He's got to do these situations. He's got to make sure that they're done in those situations. Now notice what it says, verse 24. But none of these things move me or affect me. Now notice what he says. Neither count I my life dear to myself. Look at it again. Paul says, neither do I count my life dear to myself. We all count our life dear to ourself. Until you get the revelation of what God needs up here, and then you don't have to count your own life dear to yourself because your life is dear to him. You are special to him. You are needed by him. He needs you. So your life don't have to be dear to you anymore because nobody can wipe you out because God's going to make sure you get to where you're going. Why? My life is dear to him. It, I could have never went in the, in the ministry. I could have quit the first time somebody walked out of the back of church. If the first time somebody wrote a dirty letter about me, I just could have put it down. I could have quit. I could have gave up on the thing. I could have threw it away, and I would have never got any further. Are you following me? But that wasn't going to make God happy or God mad. It was going to make God anxious because he knew what he'd called me to do, and he declared it, and all the money that I ever needed, as long as I kept walking, was going to be there. The people that I needed was going to be there. Every, the building that I needed was going to, everything that I needed was going to be there, simply because it was God's idea, God's plan, God's ministry, God's everything else. All I had to do was walk the darn thing out and not worry about the money. We didn't have to take up and, and sell coffee cups with my picture on. <laughs> See, if you're not walking in your destiny, you better do that. You better sell everything you got to do that. Because God only supplies for you walking in your destiny. Are you following me? 
Praise God. Remember in Philippians, it talks about Paul's in prison, and Paul one day just says, you know what? I can stay here and let him put me to death and go to be with Jesus. That would be good. Or I can stay here and help you people out in your faith. I believe God gave him a choice. He said, hey, Paul, you've been through a lot of things, and I showed you all these things before that you were going to suffer. Yeah, well, seeing them and doing them are two different things. Getting bit by a snake is fine until it happens. See? So he got to a place, and God said, what's it going to be? You want to just get it over with and come to me before you don't fulfill your destiny, or what do you want to do? And Paul said, I'm going to stay, and I'm going to preach the faith to these people who are here to help them out because that's what you call me to do. So what was he doing? He was making a choice at that time, whether to go, whether not to go, what to do, what not to do. He had a decision to make. How many know that you have a decision? I'll tell you another thing that I believe. I believe that Paul, when he was on his way to Damascus and saw that bright light and all that stuff and blinded him, I believe that every single person born in this world has several Damascus experiences. Several times God will come knocking at your door and say, hey, now is the time. I know he did to me. And I said, sure, Lord, right after this drink. And the only time I cried out to him was not because I wanted to fulfill my call, not because I wanted to serve God, but because I was so sick from drinking that I wanted to feel better so I could go back and drink some more. See, wrong motive, wrong everything. Everything was there. But that's not the way it is. There's a Damascus experience going on in everybody's life. Even if they're not born again, I believe the Holy Ghost is hitting them every now and then. Hey, you got to do something. You got to change. You got to step in. You were one in a million picked out to do this up here. The only way I can get it to you is to shake you and get you born again in the kingdom of God and get you alive and get you rolled in the right thing so you can fill basically what I called you to do. Praise God. So God declares your end, which is a good end. Say a good end. And your success in life basically has to do with walking out your kingdom life in the situation. How about Paul at midnight that time when he was in jail? How could he possibly, after being beaten, put in jail, be in stocks and chains, be praising the Lord? Because he knew it was just a temporary go-through. I'm going to make it to my destination anyway. Don't matter. You can't stop me. Once the doors open up, God comes in and says, I need you. Get out of here. i got stuff for you to do. You can't be messing around here in prison, so I'm going to do it. And why did he deliver him? Not for Paul's sake. Delivered him for God's sake, because that's what God needed to done at the time. Praise God. All right. Let me just go a little further. Can I go a little further? Go to First Peter chapter 1. Don't get content with where you're at if there's a yearning in your heart to go further. Don't do it. Don't stop there. Don't stay there. Well, my ministry's good. I've got six or seven classes. As a matter of fact, ten classes. I've got all the notes at home. I can preach. I know these things. I'm learning more out of them, everything else. No. There's, oh, if there's something in your heart saying you've got to go further in this, it's good, but you've got to go further. This was a stepping stone. Take another step. You've got to go forward. You've got to keep going. You've got to, don't stop. Don't get going. Don't be content with yourself because I'm telling you there's something greater in your life that's coming there that you haven't even found yet in your life. But as you find it and it grows on the inside of you, ever since God dropped the kingdom of God, on the inside of me. I mean, I go to bed, I get up, I go to bed, I get up, and all, once here, here's harvest over here, and I cut that thing off, and I'm eating there, and then I'm going over here, and I'm cutting this off, and I'm eating over here, but I want to go further and further because I know there's more revelation than I need to get and more revelation that people need to understand the things of God. So you just keep going. You don't say, oh, I've done the classes. Yeah, we got the old Treasure Coast Victory Center training school, and everybody's gone through there once. Probably don't remember a word by now of what they learned. Is he preaching from the the training class again? I heard that back in 2012. I've got it memorized. You don't even know the first three words of what I said. See, and that's why the word of God is so important. I'll guarantee you another thing. You'll not understand your destiny till you sin under a man of God who's full of the word of God, who preaches the glory of God and the power of God to to energize on the inside of you. I just do it at home. Go ahead. You ain't going to learn nothing there. You can sit there all day long if you want to and do it. God's not going to get the revelation over you because that's the way he set it up. I didn't read the Bible and at the end put gospel according to Tom. There shall be pastors and evangelists and preachers who will help you. I didn't put that in there. He put that in there. And if he put it in there because it's necessary for part of his plan for you to be successful to make his plan successful. You're important to him, praise God. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 18. 1 Peter 1, 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood 
of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was revealed and manifest in these last times. So when was the Lamb of God set up? When was the Lamb of God declared? When was the Lamb of God? When did the sacrifice take, take place? Before the foundations of the world. All right, go to Revelations 13. Revelations 13, look at verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain from the, of the, no, the Lamb that was slain when? If you, if you have another translation, it says, not only says from, it says before. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That means, you know, and we talk about it and we say it and it's fine that Jesus was, died 2,000 years ago. No, Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, father and son were sitting there, and I don't know what they were doing, they play cards or whatever they do up there, praise God, and he was there, and he just, father said, you know, I'm about ready to create the earth and all these people down there and all this stuff, but you know what's going to happen? They're going to mess up. Son says, no. He said, yeah, they're going to mess up. And he said, I'm going to have to have somebody go there and probably redeem them and get them out of that mess and get them back to a place so that my kingdom can come to earth once I put it there because I know they're going to make a mistake. The son says, I'll go. You will. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go on the cross, and I'll redeem it, and I'll take care of it. He said, for sure? He said, yeah. And he says, done. It's done. Finished. Mankind's redeemed. Mankind's delivered. Mankind's set free right now because my son said yes, praise God. But then there's a time, even though it was done then, that Jesus had to walk out his thing on the cross. How many know he had some chances to stop? See? But Father God had an expected end. For Jesus, he had a declared end for him, just like he does for you. He has an expected end. He's expecting you to make it to the end of what he declared for you to be while you're here on earth. It's already been declared for you. It's already there. And as you spend time with him, you're going to find out, praise God, what's going on. Hallelujah. And how many know that Jesus, and here's Jesus again. He preaches, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. He said, they're going out and they're healing all the people out there because you Jews just won't obey me and stuff. You're so stupid. You just ain't going to get healed and everybody else is going to get healed. And it said they took him to throw him off a cliff. You know what Jesus did? Walk through him. Why is that? His time hadn't come yet. He wasn't to the end of his thing. He knew what his final was. And his final wasn't being thrown off the cliff. His final was not being stoned. His final was going to the cross. That was his end. That's where it was going to be. And nothing was going to stop him from getting to his end as long as he's walking with the Father and his main purpose was his end. Praise God. It's not my time. Well, Herod wants to kill you. Tell that old rat. He ain't going to do nothing. Praise God. He can do whatever he wants to 12 hours a day, 12 hours a night, don't make any difference because I'm going to my expected end. I'm going to my declared end in my life and I'm going to get there and fulfill what my father has told me to do and nobody's going to cut me short on that. So even Jesus had an expected end. He was declared by the father what to do. And this, oh, so watch this now. Oh, Jesus. Herod killed all the little baby boys when Jesus was a baby boy. He did not kill Jesus because he didn't like baby boys. He killed Jesus because Jesus had a destiny that was going to fulfill the kingdom of God. It wasn't about the baby. It was about the destiny of that baby. Now watch this. Abortion today is not only the death of a baby. It's the death of a destiny. It's a death of someone that God handpicked out. I don't care if they're married or not. They're still picked out. And that has nothing to do with you anyway. Well, I'm an illegitimate child. No, you're not an illegitimate child. You were handpicked by God to do something, and don't sit there and whine around your parents and whine around, well, you weren't even married. Who cares? What were you handpicked to do out of the 100 million by God? Get with the program, and everybody's wallering back in there. Well, I'd be better, but my childhood. So what? Move on. Find out what your destiny is. And that's why the little things don't matter. There's a destiny for you, young'un. It's already been declared. It's already there. Don't let the little things in your life, the little setbacks, 
keep you from the big picture, the big, the big picture out here. That's just a little thing that doesn't make any difference whatsoever. And when you learn this and you see it, all these little things that make you all the time, you'll, you'll, they won't bother you anymore. Why? If it's affected my thing, I'm not going to deal with it. And if I can get rid of it, I'm going to get rid of it, but I'm not going to get involved in it. I'm not going to get there. They tried to trap Jesus every which way but loose, but it wouldn't work. So every time an abortion takes place, people don't understand a destiny proclaimed by God has been wiped out. It won't be fulfilled here on the earth. It's bigger than just human beings being destroyed. It's a spiritual thing. Say it's a spiritual thing. Everything that's gone on a spiritual thing, praise God. So basically this morning, God has declared your end. It's a good end. It's an expected end. You were chosen out of 100 million sperm cells. To do something for God. The question is, will you seek first the kingdom of God? Will you start making godly decisions in every single area of your life? Will you start obeying the laws of God even though the world don't want to obey the laws of God? Will you succeed in God's plan and God's purpose for you? Will you seek first the kingdom things or other things? Will you decide this morning to live righteously? Will you take time to read the manual before operating? All you need has already been provided because your destiny has already been declared. The money you need, the people you need, the wisdom you need, the knowledge you need is already in you today. Are you a fish out of water this morning? Are you a bird that's trying to swim? The biggest mistake in your life is to be successful in the wrong things. Many who are successful in this world, they're making a mistake. Don't be like one of them. Get with God, spend your time, have some Damascus experiences. I'll tell you, just on top of that, if you have dreams, godly dreams and visions, what are they? They're previews. They're commercials for your destiny. Sometimes we have this dream that's so big and so wild, we think, my God, I don't know what that was. It was a preview of where you're going to be someday and on your road there. Don't discard those things. And I'll tell you what, if you're walking for God and the kingdom of God, you will have these dreams. If you're not, you'll have nightmares. People say, I go to bed at night, I have a nightmare. Yeah, because you're pursuing and going in the wrong kingdom and you're going to get your antenna lined up to whatever you want to get lined up. So if you had a big dream, well, I was supposed to do this 20 years ago, but my God, I never thought I could do that. You don't have to do it. You just got to walk it out because it's already been declared done. It's finished. God already did it, praise God. So you're just walking into that. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. Each one of us is like a big puzzle. You know, God's got the big puzzle. We're just each one little piece. And if you see somebody out there and you're a round piece and they're a crooked piece or they got edges on them, don't get mad at them or judge them because sooner or later that piece is going to fit in somewhere. You see, you just got to worry about your piece. Where do I fit in? What do I do? Can I help someone else fit into their piece and their part? Can I help them go further and instead of discouraging them, encourage them, praise God? Can I correct them when they need it to make sure they stay in the laws of God? All these are part of, a, as a family of God, that's what we do here. We're a family. We want you to go further. We want you to do things. If you get corrected lovingly, change. If it, resonates, if it doesn't resonate with you, then just go on. Figure they had pepperoni pizza last night. They didn't know what they were talking about and move on. But don't get mad at them. Don't run around because you're too important. I'll tell you, you're way too important to God. He handpicked you a long time ago, praise God. You are that one little cell that made it to the finish line, praise God. Hallelujah. You're one in a hundred million. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that not only is it planted this morning, but I would pray that you would water that thing so even as they go about their business, that you would water it, give them further revelation in their own lives, what their destiny is, what you've already declared in their life. Father, we thank you for an expected end. I thank you that it is a good end, praise God. And we thank you for revealing it to us step by step, day by day. And we decide this morning to seek you first, your kingdom. We're going to spend more time in your word. We're going to seek you basically for your benefit, not even for our benefit anymore. Because we know that all you're doing is for your sake, your kingdom, and your plan. Father, I thank you this morning for your spirit who makes all these things possible, who continues to operate in us. We thank you, Holy Ghost, and give you free right to do whatever you want in our thought life, in our lives, and in our decisions. And we thank you for what you've done this morning. I thank you for the planting of it. I thank you for the watering of it. And I thank you for the harvest. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.